scripture reading today comes from the book of Job, chapter 38, verses 1 through 7 and 34 through 41. Then God answered Job from the whirlwind, Who is this darkening counsel with words lacking knowledge? Prepare yourself like a man. I will interrogate you and you will respond to me. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Tell me if you know. Who set its measurements? Surely you know. Who stretched a measuring tape on it? On what were its, were its footings sunk? Who laid its cornerstone while the morning stars sang in unison and all the divine beings shouted? Can you issue an order to the clouds so their abundant waters cover you? Can you send lightning so that it goes and then says to you, I'm here? Who put wisdom in remote places? Or who gave understanding to a rooster? Who is wise enough to count the clouds? And who can tilt heaven's water containers so that dust becomes mud and clods of dirt adhere? Can you hunt prey for the lion or fill the cravings of lion cubs? They lie in their den, lie in ambush in their lair. Who provides food for the raven when its young cry to God, move about without food? The word of God for the people of God. Amen. I'm going to stop sharing and um, just kind of be with you uh, in person here. Um, so it is, it, is, it is good to be with you. If one of my co-hosts could go ahead and spotlight me, that would be awesome. For some reason, I cannot spotlight, my, spotlight myself. I don't know what's happening there. Um, there we go. Thank you. Um, again, it is good to be with you. And um, uh, it's been eight weeks. And so I wanted to make sure that I um, spent some time just reflecting and sharing a little bit back with you. When I was thinking about getting worship ready for the next, you know, we're, we're almost done with our liturgical year, our church calendar, which ends at the end of November. We get into um, uh, into Advent uh, on the 28th. Um, I uh, looked at the uh, lectionary for this Sunday and it was Job. And I didn't look at any, I didn't, I just stopped there. I didn't even look at the other ones because I'm like, well, if I haven't been feeling very Job-like over the last eight weeks, especially that first month, like I, I, I don't know when more I have been feeling that way. Now, some of you know that about 17 years ago, I went through a, a, a much more life and death experience. Um, I had pancreatitis and I was in the hospital and, um, you know, over Christmas Eve. And it was a really, really scary time for my family that I was actually, um, uh, you know, there, were, there was some life and death kind of um, possibilities there. This one, I just want to affirm and, and kind of re remind folks that while I did go into the hospital, I, I was I was a, for about 15 minutes really worried about my life. And that was just because um, a doctor had some poorly chosen words uh, during our assessment about whether I should even go to the hospital. Um, I think a doctor was trying to convince me and Robin that I needed to go and I needed no convincing. Uh, I was if I need to go, I need to go. So I went in and so I. Um, we tried to, you know, while it was serious, um, it can get so much worse. And that was one of the things that I learned, you know, as I was in the hospital, I was still able to communicate. And as many of you know, I shared throughout and continue to share about the experience because so many have had it and haven't shared about it. And the number of people, even in our communities who have had COVID and are still uh, experiencing symptoms from that months and you know, at least even a year later, um, you know, I, part of what I wanted to be able to do while I could was to, to normalize that experience. So just so you know that there are a lot of folks that have had it and are probably, if you feel like some folks around you are a little less kind of, 
there's a little fogginess to their brain or they're a little grumpy sometimes. You never know what's going on in, in people's lives. Um, but uh, this Job passage, the reason I stopped at Job is because at the beginning of my COVID experience, um, as soon as I could think a little bit more, as soon as I could just not focus on the, the trying to catch my breath and be on oxygen, all the things that happen and headaches and fatigue and all that, I certainly got into that mode of like, this is not fair. You know, as many of you know, Robin and I are, are again, as I joke with each other, we're the thing that we're most conservative about and maybe only is around COVID and about how we were um, pay, trying to pay attention to the best we could to medication and masking and vaccines and all those things. And yet we still got it. And while we know that vaccinations are not a cure or not a prevention, um, it was supposed to be mild, right? And that's what Robin got. Robin is is back to normal and got a mild case. But I ended up, you know, this moment where the doctor said, yes, you can't complete sentences anymore. I think it's time you go to the hospital. You know, I, I had, it's like this, I was trying to kind of keep a bigger picture on life and faith, but there were these moments I'm like, this really isn't fair. We did everything we were supposed to do. Why me? Right? Why us? Why in the middle of uh, a time when I'm serving as your pastor, when we're discerning our futures together, while we're thinking about what may be next, all these, like all of this that's going on, and that's in our community. And then in the world, there's so much that we're engaged in and I want to be engaged with. It's not fair that this thing kind of just takes me out of this time. And I can imagine you know, other situations in your life where things happen to you and you are wondering, like, why? This is not fair. And I know for those who have raised kids or, you know, have, uh, have had parents that have said, when you say it's not fair, the response is always, well, life's not fair, which I don't think is actually a very helpful response because it doesn't actually honor this genuine wondering about why do things happen? Because I think asking that question of ourselves leads us to some ways that we can answer, right? Why does this happen? We can either lean on um, answers that are going to be, are, are going to flitter away with time. We can lead to answers that only reaffirm our own beliefs. We can lead to answers that um, only demonize other people. We can, can lead to answers that maybe aren't even good for us in the long haul, when really what we need to be doing is to kind of step back and in some ways give up the notion that the world and our lives, that we understand even what fair is. Because I think sometimes our own privilege or our experiences, our unspoken realities often skew what is fair. As I think about other people in our communities, as they may look at us and they may ask, well, why does this person get to do this or this? That's not fair. And I might look at that situation from the outside and say, yeah, it's not fair. And so what do we do? Well, for me and Job, right? Job is, is just, again, you get this frustration. And then, uh, you, know, you know, as we hear about the movement of these things happening to Job on purpose, I don't believe that God uh, is moving buttons and levers to make things happen, but God is present in all of this. And that, so we have to rely on that. And in some ways, what came out of this experience for me 
because I, I, you know, I wasn't on a ventilator. I wasn't at the door, the death door. I could have a little bit broader experience and that it has reinforced the mystery of the holy. And that sometimes in those moments when we can really kind of hold on to that middle ground of unknowing, sometimes that's when we know God the most. That God makes God's self known to us in those times when we don't even know the world ourselves. But it's really hard for us to do that. It's really hard for us to actually sit in the unknown because we all want to know things. I don't know how many people have asked us, Robin and I, I think with good intent, like, where did you get it? How did you get it? With this hope that we could name it so that that person could then avoid doing that because then that would guarantee in some way avoiding it. And our answers of, we have no idea, is not very satisfying because it leaves all of us with this possibility that as you walk into the world, you have no idea. And that can lead to, I think, a skewed way of walking in the world and moving through the world. The mystery is supposed to be liberating, not confining. The mystery of God is supposed to allow us to grow in our understanding of who God is in the world. And the mystery for me is that, yes, we are still careful. We are still listening to those who know more than us. There's still all of that. But what I don't want to have happen is this experience for me or for any of us to further confine who we understand God is calling us to be in the world. I will say that anecdotally, you now know me and you may know others who are vaccinated and went to the hospital. And as we understood, that was really not supposed to happen, but we know it's happened and it is happening. But I don't want this experience to confine and narrow how you may move through the world. Still be careful. But the mystery of God in that is that we hold these tensions of things we know as happens, as things that have happened with also the, the science and the knowledge and the experiences that other folks are sharing, and that we still go out and step into the world. Robin and I, um, you know, I think there's some trauma involved over all of us over a pandemic, and then our household and some trauma over that. Is, and I, I, I will say my reactions to seeing humans gathered closely together for the first time after all of this was a little jarring. The reaction to me not being able to walk more than a few blocks without losing my breath was a little jarring. All of these things. But we're forcing ourselves, and I'm forcing myself to step into spaces so that I don't let this one thing define how I move through the world. Because if I do, then I'm going to confine the way I experience God. Now, I'm not talking about being re reckless or irresponsible, but I am talking about not letting what I may not know or know about what happened to me define how I'm going to move through the world. And I think it's really difficult. One of the things that I know was most difficult for me um, is when the doctors told me, you just need to rest. I think one of the least helpful things to tell somebody when they're sick or needing to rest is you just need to rest. I mean, what does that even mean? For some of us, that's just sitting around doing nothing. For some of us, it's, I, I found it very interesting that um, uh, as, as folks, I was in this middle space of I was feeling okay for a couple of hours and then I'd fall asleep or I'd cough, right? And that like, what do I do during that time? If folks would say to me, just rest. 
And I don't know what that means. Now that may be my personality and all those kind of things. Some of you may be really good at resting. I would love if you shared in the chat, like what does it mean to rest for you? Because some, for some people, it was sitting and reading a book. For others, it was just taking a nap. For others, it was taking a walk. For me, I will tell you, I started, um, and I'll share this publicly. I think I've shared it online. Uh, you remember those old potholder looms that you used to make when you were in elementary school with the loops? I got some of those and I am making coasters and potholders because I had to do something with my hands and, and knitting was far too complicated for me. So, you know, I had to find something that would let my mind and body settle. I discovered that I, I, I've been watching Korean dramas anyway, but I needed to, to binge watch shows that I had to read the subtitles so I wouldn't be on my phone or I wouldn't be doing other things and all I had to do was focus. So I had to find in the middle of all of this weirdness and mystery and, and all this, a way that it made sense for me to move through the world. And I think for Job, right, this is, to get back to Job, I think Job was so caught up in the specific ways that we are supposed to and have expectations about moving through the world that anything that happened became kind of this adversarial relationship with God. And so what I want us to do, what I hope that we will learn from Job, is that it, it, is a, it is a discernment of how we are supposed to move through the world, even in the midst of things happening in the world that don't make sense, that feel unfair, that are even violent, that how do we move through the world knowing and trusting that God is present? You know, Job was an extreme example, but we all have those. We all have those places in our lives and our world where it would just be easier to compartmentalize that as good or bad and then take the rest of our life and deal with that. I want to close with thinking, talking about one particular subject around this COVID life and things that are going on right now, and that is um, the, the tone and approach we take to those who are choosing to be unvaccinated and who we know uh, through the numbers in our hospitals and my conversations with my nurses and healthcare workers that are, are occupying um, our hospitals at a greater rate and unfortunately are dying at a greater rate than those of us who have been vaccinated. Now, this is not a plea to be vaccinated for those of you that have chosen not to, um, though I would hope you would, but this is just a reality of the things that, that I have learned and been reinforced about the body of Christ. The easy road to take right now in our culture when we talk about vaccinated or unvaccinated is unvaccinated people are, are wrong, are somehow ill-informed, are less than, and at the worst, what we see is deserve whatever they get. Deserve to be sick, even deserve to die. Now, you see newspaper articles and headlines almost enjoying and reveling in people who were um, vocally and violently anti-vaccine who have now died, and people, again, taking pleasure in their death. I think one of the ways that we stand against, and in some ways we disrupt some of the injustice in the world in our rhetoric, is to reject that. Because if we believe that the body of Christ is the body of Christ, we don't get to pick and choose who is the body of Christ. We don't get to say, well, Again, and that's the whole point of the passage in the body of Christ when we talk, when it's talked about, right? You don't get to just decide this part because you don't like it or it uh, has some shame. You don't have to pay attention to it. But yet we do that in many ways as people of faith when it comes in this particular time in our country, in our culture, 
to those who had chosen um, to be unvaccinated. And the reality is, for me, um, and some of you experienced this, you all know that my grandmother died December 20th of last year from COVID. And I just wish that upon no one. I don't care what choices you have made. I wish no one to have to say goodbye to a relative through a tablet. I wish no one to have to deal with the family stressors about making decisions about taking people off of life support. I want no one to have to grieve for months and years later about not really being able to say goodbye to a loved one. I want no one to experience these months and years of long COVID symptoms that that really de- uh, you know, take a toll on your spirit and your family and your emotions and all of that. I want no one to experience that. And I don't reserve that for just the people I agree with, just the people that have made the same choices as me. If nothing else we learn from this time is that the body of Christ that we profess to be part of, we don't get to determine who is part of that body. And in fact, if anything now, we need the entire body to recognize that we are one. I need those who have chosen not to be vaccinated for whatever reason they may have to make different choices. And that's not going to come from continuing to denigrate and dismiss and revel in death and sickness. It's going to come by offering dignity, by offering humanity, by genuinely believing that we are communally the body of Christ. Because if we can do that, if we can do that in a way that is meaningful, and I'm not asking all of us to suddenly go out and have coffee with people that we totally disagree with. We don't have to be best friends, but we do have to communicate this thing that we say we believe, that we are the body of Christ that has been created, that has been nurtured, that travels the highest and the lowest in Christ together. Because if we don't exhibit that in the world, then we are being hypocritical every time we break the bread. I think this is a message that is countercultural right now. I'm not talking about being soft or reckless or engaging in this kindness industrial complex that is happening in our world, but deep, meaningful human dignity that we offer to ourselves because the body of Christ is greater than us individually. So as you get tempted in the weeks and days ahead to look down upon, to revel in the suffering, to want to somehow punish or find ways to make people pay for their decisions in a way that strips away dignity, I ask you, I ask myself, I ask all of us to refrain and reject that. Because when we reject a part of the body, no matter how much we may disagree with them, we reject a part of ourselves. When we cut off a part of the body, we cut off a part of ourselves. And when part of that body dies, suffers, is sick, then we too die. We suffer and are sick. So we suffer together, we rejoice together. My friends, as we continue to travel together as a community, this particular part of the body, let us offer that same love and hope and justice to the entire body. Let us pray. 
Holy and gracious God, for the spirit that challenges us, for the spirit that reminds us that we are greater than ourselves, that together we are called into one body, that you have created us in a way that will allow us to see health and dignity together. In our moments of weakness, when we turn only to ourselves, when we grasp into the worst of who we can be in our rhetoric or in our thoughts, love us into a new way of being, challenge us to see the body of Christ for the beautiful, expansive reality that it is. And for those who are suffering, who are sick, who are on this journey that may lead to death, may your healing power be present in the healthcare workers, in medicine, in community, so that no more may die. For this we pray this day. And God's people say, amen.